Take that, bitch. Think you can sneak up on me? Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you. One second. Hey, Justin. Good to see you. How are you doing? Good, good. You all right, man? I'm pretty sure I heard you screaming. Great. You know, running through catacombs, shooting Nazis, video game stuff. <laughs> uh, right. Hey, this place is looking pretty clean today. And peaceful, too. With just the two cats. I found homes for all my kittens. Oh, you, you mean no more incest cats? No. I found homes for all of my kittens, and I take offense to that. They don't have the same cultural values as we do. Well, you're right on that. But no more cats, right? He, he's fixed. He is, but Zira, the mother of all, she is not. I don't know who Caesar's dad is, but I, I can't imagine he's too happy about his son knocking up his lover like that, who also happens to be his mother. Justin, stop applying human values onto animals. Besides, there's so many alley cats in Pilsen, they're all just one big family. Whatever, let's just get to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, enough cat chat. Let's work. And this concludes part one of Cat Scratch Caesar. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Tuesdays with Gory. Hi-yo. I am Joseph Blansky. And I am Justin Fink. We are a horror movie podcast where we get together every other week and we discuss the horror movies that we love ever so much. Quite a great past two weeks. It's great to be back in the studio with you, Joe. Mm -hmm. Glad to have you here. Just us. It's been a while since it's been just us. We're back together again. (laughs) Back together again. You know that Hall and Oates song? Hell yeah. That's so good. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's get the ball rolling here. How about we uh, dive into our horror movie histories? I wanted to talk this week to you, Joe. Oh, yeah? Maybe just something uh, that I've been embarrassed to bring up with guests around, but (laughs) it has to do with girls. Uh. Horror movies (laughs) and girls. Do you have any experiences with horror movies and dating? Uh, I I think I have an embarrassing story. Yeah? Yeah. Do tell, do tell. I was really young, and I went on a date with a girl to go see The Sixth Sense, and this may or may not been the first date I ever went on. Mm-hmm. And about, like, 20 minutes, 30 minutes into the movie, when they get to the scenes where they're, like, children are, or, like, people are hanging in the school... Yeah, I was. I just turned to her and was like, "Hey, we got, we gotta go," because <laughs> I was really scared and I couldn't handle the movie. <laughs> I didn't like to see the dead people. <laughs> uh, and was she cool with that? Uh, I mean, she seemed like it. We walked around and hung out afterwards, but we didn't go on another date. <laughs> that, that never happened. Were you upfront with her? Were you like, "I want to leave because I'm scared," or did uh, you try to make up an excuse? I think I, I don't know, I think I made up an excuse. Oh, really? <laughs> think she bought it? No. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, we oh, we should go. I got to go get a smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It just hit me. I didn't have a smoothie today. We should go. Oh, we lost our stubs. We can't get back in. <laughs> well... Uh, How about you? <laughs> Do you have any memorable date or yeah, uh, Netflix also... and chill <laughs> story? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The, the thing with uh, movies is that like whenever I do Netflix and chill, 
I love movies so much, especially if it's a horror movie, that like when the chilling happens, you know what I mean? Mm. And the movie's still playing. There's still a good part of me that's still paying attention to the movie. (laughs) (laughs) And there's been more than like one occasion where I'll be like making out with a girl and then there'll be like a joke or something like on the movie. And then like I'll giggle to be like, are you are you still listening to the movie? No, you tickled me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, uh, I need a smoothie. (laughs) We should get smoothies. (laughs) Ah oh, man, Netflix and chill. Uh but yeah, I I just remember I have gone on a few dates taking girls to see horror movies and it's it's a lot of fun. The majority of girls I know, I know there's a lot of uh horror movie warriors out there that are female. Uh but a Ooh. lot of a lot of the girls I know get scared very easily while watching horror movies. Mhm. And I think that's like, I don't know, it like feeds into like my male ego of like feeling like this brave warrior who's just like (laughs) sitting there stoic while, you know, she's like jumping on my arm and like clawing into my skin. And I'm totally the girl in jumping (laughs) every time anyway. (laughs) I'm not playing it cool. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I should tell everyone that when Joe and I watch movies, he's constantly jumping on me. (laughs) It's true. Well, Joe, with those uh, fun stories and embarrassing admissions, I just (laughs) want to remind you that whatever is said on the internet lives there forever. Oh, great. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Did you watch any good horror movies these past two weeks? I watched a few, not as much as I was cramming in before. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, I caught up on all of Ash vs. Evil Dead and watched it a couple times. Oh, wow. And it's so good. It's so perfect. You watched each episode more than once? Yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in every one, they always like, include summaries for people who didn't watch it, too. Mm-hmm. But they just like mumble it along. And they're just like, yeah, the Necronomicon, Inked and Flesh, Bound <laughs> in Human Blonde. <laughs> you know, the, that book. <laughs> like yeah yeah we do okay thanks <laughs> yeah right and then um what else i watched a documentary called video nasties moral panic censorship and videotape huh about uh horror movie censorship and rating and just dis- destruction in europe huh? or in great britain during the 80s wow yeah it was really eye-opening i thoroughly enjoyed it yeah, I want to see that. After that, immediately after that, watched Frankenhooker, <laughs> which was way better than I like. I already, I had high hopes because it is one of my friend's favorite movies. That's how you celebrated your right to watch any horror movie you can. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch Frankenhooker, <laughs> and it definitely was grosser and funnier than I thought it would be. Oh, nice. <laughs> There's like. One thing that I didn't like about it that I want to talk about is yeah. uh, the main character, whose name is Jeffrey Franken, mm-hmm. is that they have this awful device, like plot plot narrative, where he tells you everything that he's doing the entire movie, <laughs> oh, like man. to the camera, and uh, it's it's not voiceover. He's saying it while he's doing everything. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. It's so funny. Like it's, Zach Morris and <laughs> Saved by the Bell. So Frankenhooker, uh-huh. highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. And you haven't seen any uh, films by him. I'm getting, his name is like, what? you're going to kill me, Internet. Richard, like, Hennenlauter, I think. <laughs> but anyway, whatever. He's the guy yeah. who did Basket Case, uh-huh. Basket Case 2, Basket yeah. Case 3, <laughs> and uh, uh, Brain Damage. And I watched another film of his, like, one of his later ones, and it was another physical body horror sexual thing. Uh-huh. He is a 
great director. And then last on that list, uh-huh. not quite a horror movie, but I did watch uh, Mondo Caini. Yes. The Italian exploitation movie. And that is like one of the earlier ones that like led to all the other ones or It's yeah, even pre-Cannibal Holocaust. It's like uh, a documentary okay. style movie that basically shows how humans around the world doing stupid things and making fun of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> it offends every group. Great. <laughs> Which was an inspiration for Cannibal Holocaust and also the movie that we watched, The Green Inferno. Tis right. What movies did you watch in the past two weeks? Well, Justin? Uh, first of all, I subscribed to Shudder.com. Ah. All you horror fans, I highly recommend it. Only $5 a month, and they have just an amazing collection of horror films. Uh, the first thing I watched, and I watched it off of there, was... The movie by Ty West called The Innkeepers. The Innkeepers? Yeah. I don't know. It's ver- it's pretty good. It's the guy who made uh, House of the Devil. Oh, cool. And The Sacrament. I haven't um, seen that one. Yeah, but this one is about a, a haunted inn, like on like <laughs> the last nights that it's open, and these two innkeepers are just like working the night shift, and they're starting to. It's a it's a ghost movie, but it's 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 a super slow burn, but it's worth it because it's fun to see the characters interact. Mm. And then I watched rewatched because I hadn't seen it since I was a teenager. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. Woo! That movie is amazing. It's insane. Uh, I love <laughs> that movie so much. It is so different than the first one. It's I'm completely s- different. And and. Very much the same way the first one is like a representation of like the horrors of like the post Vietnam 70s. Uh, this one, its tone is totally just a representation of like the um, the cultural excess that existed in the 80s. And that's mm-hmm. why it's just so over the top and absurd. And uh, it's really, really funny. I really enjoyed that movie. And then I also watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Because Joe yeah. Joe happened to have a copy in his apartment. Yeah, on on my floor on near the floor. door. Yeah, you told me you had it. I was just like, Oh really? Can I borrow it? He's just like, Yeah, it's on the floor. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> Where it belongs. <laughs> Garbage. Exactly. That is a one star movie for me. Yeah. Don't see it. Uh and then on Shudder I watched this movie called Unmasked. And then there's more to the title, like the story of something something, but mm. it's basically it's about this serial killer. And he exists in a world where Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger and Michael Myers, like, were actual serial killers. Robert Englund is in it, which is cool. Um, but after the first 45 minutes, I was just like, this movie, clearly, like, when they think slasher, they only think of, you know, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, I, the older classic, classic did, quote, in quotation marks, yeah, classic slashers. Yeah, it just it did not feel very well educated on the genre, <sighs> which is annoying because it was obviously like a meta commentary on the genre. So. Yeah. Anyways, moving on, I also I watched Cannibal Holocaust for the first time. Ooh, what do uh, you think? Yeah, under my recommendation, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would have to say Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> and not the gore scenes where humans are being killed, I was fine with. Mm-hmm. I actually thought oh, really? the scene where she has the pole like sticking through her mm-hmm. body, I thought that was like kind of beautiful. <laughs> like it's like really imaginative and like so striking yeah it's so like grisly very disturbing but I, I like that the part that really disturbed me were all the parts where animals were actually 
like tortured on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I cannot handle that at all. So for That's that reason, so ridiculous. You could watch people getting tortured, but not animals. <laughs> well, or is I mean, it the fact that it's real? Because it's real. Because it's real. I mean, if it was fake, I would still, I would still like. Even if it was fake, I would have the hardest time watching like a uh, simulated animal torture. Uh, have you seen The Hills Have Eyes? No. Okay. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Wait, wait. wait. <laughs> I've seen the original, but not the remake. Okay. I don't, yeah. I can't remember how gory the dog death is in the original. Oh, God. I know in the second one, it, it it's pretty gross. Oh, really? Man, we always talk about a dog death in like every episode. <laughs> Why does that happen all the time? I feel like it happens in horror movies a lot. Got okay, a so bunch of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> so just two more movies. I watched the first 45 minutes of a movie called Hatchet 3. Hatchet 3? Yeah, it's just on Netflix. I saw Hatchet 1 and it was fun. Uh, Hatchet 3, the gore was awesome. Uh, the first like five minutes were really cool. And then it just like totally slowed down. And it was just like bad acting and not in a fun way. And... I had to turn it off before I even saw anyone else get killed again. And you've had a bunch of bad horror movie experiences. It happens. I mean, that's my problem, <laughs> though, like being a critical horror movie watcher, is that like if I could just suspend those things, then I can enjoy more stuff. But I can't help it. I think too much about this stuff. All right, last but no least, I watched a movie called Plus One, which is like kind of an alien invasion movie about Weird. these kids at a party who all of a sudden like a weird flash happens, and then versions of themselves from just 10 minutes before appear like identical clones i would give it like maybe two and a half or three out of four um mm-hmm. i had some issues with it but i definitely think it's worth watching it's on netflix okay yeah i mean it's it's interesting the way they respond to like seeing themselves you know felt very real it's a good looking movie what is it called like a plus one plus one yeah okay yeah um so anyways that wraps it up for the movies that i watched and without further ado, let's jump into the the main dish. The main en- dish. Entree. Yes, right. The entree. <laughs> uh, Eli Roth's 2013 The Green Inferno. Mm, and how yummy it was. Oh, man. <laughs> it was a feast for your eyes. And your <laughs> Definitely. Senses. I couldn't. Uh, There's so much where I'm just like, I don't want to take notes. Oh, I need to I see this. I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. It's so funny, like, I'm a vegetarian, I don't eat meat, but, like, I have, like, a, I feel like I'm eating meat when I watch, like, a gory movie. I'm just like, <laughs> yes, more. Yeah, I know. That's eat like, me. So I tried to feed you some of my uh, Lay's Euro chips, <laughs> but you wouldn't yeah. have it. That's right. You were like, ooh, you want some chips? I was like, yeah. You're like, oh, here you go. I had a Euro on the, I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, they do taste like meat, too. I recommend oh. them if you're in the if you're looking for an unusual chip. If you're a sinner. <laughs> All right, Joe. Well, we uh we agreed that we don't want to give too much away about this movie. No, we do not. We like it way too much. So we are telling you this now. If you have not seen the movie, proceed with caution. Because really, my favorite thing about this movie were all the unexpected turns it's so ridiculous and not like not like plot wise turns but just in terms of like how people get totally fucked up it's just like it catches you off guard (laughs) and i feel like that movie would be like just a little less enjoyable and i say just a little because it's still a great movie on its own but i would say a little less enjoyable if you see these things coming so we're gonna try to be pretty vague with that in mind joe we were thinking that you would run us through a very quick rundown of the plot Ooh, yeah yes i will <laughs> <laughs> coming up right now 
Caesar. Actually, we have a, a feline <laughs> interruption a moment. We oh. have a special guest. Caesar! Caesar! <laughs> Our uh, house cat. Our house cat broke into the studio. <laughs> oh, well. Oh. Oh, now he wants out. Okay. He's embarrassed. He's embarrassed. He's leaving the studio. He, he literally just ran out once we introduced us. So, uh, without giving away too much of the plot, this movie is about a college freshman who joins a group of activists on a trip to Peru to save some trees. <laughs> <laughs> a plane crash causes them to fall into the hands of a tribe of an indigenous people there who are all painted red, and they happen to be cannibals. Uh-oh. And now the rest of the film. Spoilers, spoilers. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. spoilers. The rest of the film, if that's not an indication of spoilers, <laughs> is a gore feast of the tallest order uh, with full of blood, tension, dark humor with mm. a sole survivor. And speaking of uh, spoilers, there actually were no spoilers in this movie because they poured salt on all the meat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, there were plenty of scenes of them going about their daily chores of, you know, cleaning and cooking and uh -huh. preserving human flesh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a great time to take a break. What do you say? Yes, uh, I could use a snack. Mm. I need to find those Euro chips. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll be right back, kiddos. Now, part two of Cat Scratch, Caesar. So anyways, I tell her, I says, hey lady, this belly ain't gonna scratch itself. Heard that one nine lives ago. You calling me a joke thief? All right, all right, let's break it up, fellas. Look, I know that we had our beefs in the past. Us being the purriers. And you guys, the infamous cat gang, the kitten kings. Well, I am so happy that we have learned how to settle our differences. Now look, I'm looking for my boy, Caesar. He knocked up his own mother, and now he's trying to start a family without me. If anyone has any idea where this castrated, no-nut, pathetic excuse for a cat is hiding, come out with yous. Speak to me, speak to me. Uh, yeah, you, the furry baguette over there. The other night when I was taking my stroll, I pee under open window. When I hear a sweet sound, a mew, and I think, who is this fine lady? But no, it is some feminine podcaster by the name of Joseph Blansky. And I turn away, but then I hear mew a second time, followed by a shout, Caesar! Hey, you mean to tell me you were pissing on a windowsill, you think you hear broad, Turns out the people in the apartment listened to a podcast. And in this podcast, you heard my Caesar being yelled at? Yes, yes, that is correct. Did you happen to catch the name of this podcast? The podcast is called Tuesdays with Gory. Now listen, cats. I need you to hit the streets. Talk to all your families. Try to find out where they record Tuesdays with Gory. Eh, felines. Paws in the air. We stand together for a noble cause. <coughs> cause, noble cause. Hey, oh, horror fans. Watching any scary movies? We'd love to know. Hit us up on Instagram with the hashtag maggotphone. We'd love to see what you're watching. What would you do if you were in here one night alone and then you looked up the Ouija board and the thing was moving around? 
Oh, they're, oh God. They're giving you a message. And you know it glows in the dark, too. Oh, really? Yeah, that would oh. be absolutely frightening. <laughs> <laughs> that would be un untakeable. I would yeah. lose it. You would just, like, sit here in shock. No, I'd immediately leave the room, get my clothes on, and leave the apartment. You would? Yeah, I would immediately get fully wow. clothed and, like, jacketed on and not stick around. Then where would you go? Like a friend's house? Yeah. I'd call as many people as, like, it's <laughs> close. Like, who's the closest right now where I can just leave? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when would you come back? Um. Or how would you go about? Would you try to find, like, a priest or something? No, i just wait till the next morning. Would you just try to get rid of the Ouija board? Definitely yeah. get rid of the Ouija board. But yeah. I'm not. It's a board game. <laughs> <laughs> that was what babysitters <laughs> used to scare me as a child. They're not really <laughs> magical. Oh, hello, and welcome back to Tuesdays with Gory. Adio. This episode is brought to you by Royal Dansk. Mm-mm. A taste to remember. Cookies are great. They were a gift from a friend? Yeah. My good friend, Mike. Ah, well, thank you, Mike. Those are great cookies. Thanks for the cookies, Mike. Well, speaking of treats, let's return to the Green Inferno. Ooh. I believe it's time we go into the kill count. The death toll. <laughs> the kill list. Death toll. All right. So like I said, we're just going to fly through it without too much detail. Uh, so there was, Fast spelling. there was a plane crash. <gasps> Seven people died in the plane crash. <laughs> and yeah, more than there. Uh, after that... Um, they get captured, mm -hmm. uh, and then the number of people who die is one, two, three, four, five, uh, and then an ambiguous number. Half bell. Half bell. <laughs> <laughs> and that is as much as I'm willing to explain with the kill list. If you listen to our other episodes, we have no problem spoiling plot points, spoiling <laughs> how people die. Because generally those movies came out several years ago. You've all had a chance to see them. Uh, but this is such a new movie that, I, and we enjoyed it so much that we don't. So immensely. We don't want to cheapen the experience for you by seeing these things coming. I, I still wanted to mention a couple of the goriest Well, moments. it is definitely uh, <laughs> imperative that we mention some of them. Yeah, just a little, little taste. A little, little teaser. Yes, yes. A little sample portion. Mm -hmm. A little sample spoon. Yeah, trailer. Uh, toothpick sized. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, nothing in this movie comes can ever be come on a toothpick. It is all <laughs> really uh, intense. Oh uh, yeah. And speaking of which, the, one of the first deaths is after it happens in the plane. Cr the plane crashes, mm -hmm. and the, one of the pilots has a tree go just go take his head straight off amazing yes. and well they're panicking in the plane it repeatedly shows it in the camera <laughs> over yeah. and over again and he, and on the way out even one of the characters jonah's like don't look <laughs> like, well we didn't have a choice uh, yeah thanks <laughs> and, oh it shows at multiple angles it's like oh here's the side here's his head like flip back you can see his eyes yeah and uh, speaking of jonah who told us to not look he has one of the most oh, intense dismemberment scenes <laughs> I have ever seen that on poor, film. Poor, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> the lovable oaf. Uh, what is what is he described as? Like, don't be another fat kid in love. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> like, but I'm not. We're friends. He's <laughs> like, keep telling yourself that. Or no, and it's gonna stay that way. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> but poor Jonah gets it really oh, bad. Oh my god. Not just like 
dismemberment, but also uh, eyes and tongue uh, cut out. And you're probably, you're probably thinking to yourself, like, oh, I'm sure they just suggest it, and then you see the body part. No, you see you it see shaking it and wriggling and <laughs> yeah. spraying out like an anime movie. Uh-huh. It's so fun. Oh, <laughs> man. Uh, yeah, I guess fun's the way to describe it. I couldn't keep my eyes away. Yeah, I would call it fun Jeez. for sure. Yeah, this is a movie where, like I said, I wasn't able to take notes because I'm just like, what? This is actually happening. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, after one of the other deaths, uh, one of... The, the the children around the town are seen playing with one of the girls' tattoos <laughs> and like on their body. Yes. And that's how like they can they figure it out or whatever. Yeah. But it's oh it's so terrifying because they do it in the perfect playful manner. Uh-huh. Where it's just is It's like there's they uh, they do not register the gravity at all. No. Which makes it even the goriness accentuated. Yeah. Even though it's so simple, it's just skin. Normally, that wouldn't be something that would be near the top of my gore list, but mm-hmm. it got me in this. <laughs> and then the last one is, if as we said before, this movie is inspired by Cannibal Holocaust, the old Italian film, and that has this in the infamous scene of the person on the pillar. Well, this has like five people on pillars, I think, <laughs> later yeah. in the film. And it's like, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's as much gore as I want to give away because yeah. there's plenty to see and I don't want to ruin it for you. I feel like you've definitely given them a very good taste. Just a uh, little, an appetizer Yeah, for the main course. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> How about we discuss the themes of this movie? It's so thematic. Oh, I love uh, yeah, it. Yeah, it's amazing. Well... I want to dive first. Because you, you know exactly what's going to happen by the trailer and the intro to the movie, and there's so yeah. much foreshadowing going on in yeah, it, too. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to see this crazy cannibal movie. I <laughs> hope it's like, I hope it has more cannibalism in it than Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> yeah, right. This film was what you wanted Cannibal Holocaust exactly, to be. Exactly, yeah. Just a masterpiece. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, I wanted the, the first theme i want to discuss is the one that's most apparent and most obvious and uh eli roth in interviews and stuff will upfront say this is what this movie is about but mm. it's it's about this term that I, I don't know if he invented it but he's i've, I've heard him use it a lot called slacktivism N- what never heard S- of that like slacker activism it's like <laughs> this new age of activism where it's just it's all about like retweeting posts oh or like, yeah like the coney 2012 stuff and uh the people par- participating in it are, are more so doing so just because they don't want to be left out you know mm-hmm. like they they, they want to have they want to be the, they don't there's like this fear of being the one person who's like oh wait you didn't re- retweet that like don't you care oh you don't care enough yeah oh that's so funny and then there's also obviously you know just the like self-righteousness of having something that you believe in and then giving yourself an enemy and uh oh my god i just realized it's so funny that that we were wondering why it has their hashtags at the end of the movie in the credits yeah that oh that's so funny because it's like oh yeah well then tweet at me you tweeting motherfuckers (laughs) (laughs) i'm making fun of you here's how to do it (laughs) tweet at me yeah (laughs) it's so great yeah yeah um so basically i mean i don't i wouldn't think that eli roth like is anti-activism at all oh no but just in today's culture where it's so easy to seem like you care and to do a bunch of stuff just just to prove 
that you care, not because you actually care. Mm. Um, so like, oh, this will get us more likes or more hits. This will be better for our cause. And it's like, well, you're yeah. really not doing anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're more interested in fame or recognition or having a community. All in all, feeling good about yourself. And the problem with that is that that makes it harder for people who actually care. Because mm-hmm. the market's so saturated with all these people, it's like, oh, who do we trust? It's just like, oh, we should probably go for the most charismatic or the person with the most money to like make these inspirational videos that like manipulate us. And this is so ridiculous because a lot of the people who have money have turned out to be like undercover agents. <laughs> 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 Activism is such a weird, dangerous thing. I never under yeah. it always seems like it i don't know if people are playing against each other what was her what was the line said uh, by sky well, fiera sky fiera she goes uh who, i don't know who that is but apparently she's a pop star yeah i mean she's a like explain this to me because i'm culturally ignorant <laughs> yeah well i mean she's not like a like a american idol like top 40 radio pop star she's like an indie pop star mm-hmm. like all the all the kids at pitchfork like her Oh yeah, I could I could look it up and read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, but uh, yeah, she has this really amazing or hilarious non like politically incorrect. Oh line. yeah, what does she say? Being gay or wait, being an activist is so fucking gay. <laughs> no, activism is so fucking gay. Activism is so fucking gay, <laughs> and that's so awesome. It's just like what an off color like, and it's like it's a type of like thing that would piss off activists mm-hmm. using gay like that and then there's also the thing with activism um and then finding these false idols like i said just finding the person with the most charisma mm-hmm. but generally the like the leader of these movements uh tend to be like very self-interested and as we learn from the leader of this like activist group again spoiler 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 all we want to say is that he's turns out to be not exactly uh the good-willed man that we uh that he presents himself as um as this like leader of a revolution of protesters of noble causes and fine ideals you're right and uh um, no he's a shit that that scene uh where he's masturbating oh my god that's insane that was pulled directly from with that coney 2012 thing the guy who started that you know it got so much bigger than he was anticipating and like it almost like i'm guessing it like exploded his ego but he was found running the streets naked and whacking <laughs> what? off <laughs> what yeah in the streets of la i think <laughs> that's so, so ridiculous so it's just like hey look like this is the guy that you're like giving so much trust to you know so mm-hmm. um and then cuz i was thinking about moby dick and why uh, the main character has a necklace that's like really important to her. A flute that was yeah. uh, melted down from her grandmother's silver. Yes, and she keeps it in a hollowed out uh, Moby Dick like bookcase. Mm-hmm. Um, they say that one of the bigger themes in the book is that of defiance, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's fitting because like all these oh. people are in this mess because they're like on both sides of the party actually like all these people are. are um, doing what they're doing because they so blindly trust in the things they believe in. They're their leader. Yeah. This actually leads really well into the second theme, which is that of uh, the existence of cultural biases. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, that, God, I love that. That's shown a lot. Oh. Yeah. And um, it's just like, so this tribe, we take them as savages, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what everyone's, or what a lot of people are so accept, upset about this movie is just like, oh, it's a... It's Depic- another exploitation y- film of indigenous people. Right, right. It's depicting them as, you know, just like 
backwards savages without values or whatever um but you think about it like what they do and like you see this process that they have and they know all about like these herbs and the preparation of the food like and corn is, and they have cattle and yeah, pigs yeah so this obviously they keep the humans in with the pigs <laughs> this obviously comes from like a deep tradition of doing this so i feel like what this movie talks about is how when you're born into a culture like it's so easy for us to be like let's just and this is such an extreme example but for us to say oh those people eat people like that's horrible you know mm-hmm. and like they like trap and kill people but there's something to be said of the power of growing up in a culture where you are told one thing your whole life mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of people that believe like really like terrible things in the world and they, they think it because it's what they've been taught is right their whole lives which is a theme in the movie with uh what is it f fgm female genital mutilation right right, right. which is such a touchy subject to put in the movie it's I like know. oh if cannibalism and uh offending like indigenous people wasn't <laughs> enough here's another yeah. one <laughs> yeah but i think that's great because like obviously there's not many stories of actual cannibal tribes in the world we live in now mm-hmm. but there are several accounts of female genital mutilation Mm -hmm. so it's in this way this movie's just like okay so like maybe there's not cannibals but there is this thing that we abhor that we think is terrible but to these people growing up in this culture they are brought up to believe in the value of it you know and there's there needs to be a spark for a person to be like wait what am i doing like this is ridiculous. Why are we doing this? And I feel like that's what the little boy in the tribe represented. Oh yeah, is like when the, he he stops it. Yes, he's like. The, oh my god. He's yeah. like the new generation saying like, wait a second, we can't keep doing this. Yeah. You know, like this isn't right. Um, so I mean, yeah, I think that's because uh, he sees her in agony because in culturally it's that it's done by the uh, women mm-hmm. to, be, to save them. Fa- I mean, the reason is to save face or whatever. Right. Well, so, but having like sh- maybe other people weren't screaming as much as she was, and so he was, and he had this emotional connection to her mm-hmm. that made him stop, interrupt it. Yeah, because ultimately he wasn't supposed to be in that room, right? And he's kicked out immediately mm-hmm. after freeing. Well, her. I mean, he formed a connection with her from the second he got there, you know. Mm-hmm. And there was like something about her, and maybe there's like a pureness to her. Um, oh yes, because uh, as we figured out, she is the virgin. Right, right. She's uh, they they find out that she's a virgin, and because of this, um, uh, they decide they elect her to be uh, to have her clitoris cut off. Which is strange. It's like she's being initiated into the tribe. Yes, that's the interesting thing. Is that uh, you would think that, and like to them, they think they're doing a good thing for her. So it's just like their intentions are not sadistic in that they picked her out and they they see something in her that it's almost like they're saying like you could be one of us or they're almost saying you are one of us but we're going to eat all these other guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're going to eat all your friends. But that actually like goes to my other theme and it's just like there's the whole theme of entering womanhood uh or just like womanhood in general and femininity and then the rituals mm-hmm. we have surrounding that and oh uh, yeah and the men too because of the posture like the posturing male that she immediately goes to right exactly and then just and then realizes no that's not what i want i should actually follow what i believe in exactly instead of aping onto some handsome guy's cause exactly yes yes and she you'll notice in the movie she she relies on men a good deal um Oh, yeah, because her dad, too. She's out to eat with her dad, at least. And she's always asking her dad for help. Yeah, she's asking her dad for help. And then when she's, like, in the, like, she's relying on men to save her, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, when she falls in the river. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. At the end, it's her, like, claiming her, like, empowerment, you know? Like, mm-hmm. embracing her, I w- you would say, symbolically for what, like, feminine energies and masculine energies represent. It's her, like, claiming her masculinity and her, like, claiming her, like, warriorhood. That's the first moment in the movie where she's, like, not scared anymore. Specifically and, with the, when she sees the black jaguar, which is shown at the beginning of the movie and yes. then later in the movie. Mm-hmm. And th- this this makes it make sense is that it's given two titles. It's a guardian of nature, mm-hmm. but it also curses sinners to hell. Right, right. So it's good. So it can be good and bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so then lastly, the theme of this movie is the idea of humanity versus nature, and mm-hmm. which is more important. And I, I Green Inferno, yeah, because uh, they're trying to save the trees. Right. Well, I mean, they're not. I think they're. I think when they go there, they're more concerned with the people living there. Really? Or that's what they say. Oh yeah. Have you ever wanted to save a tribe? Yeah, yeah. 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 What I believe is, <laughs> I firmly believe that like. Eli Roth, in a way, he, he's saying it kind of jokily, but I think at some level he he does believe that humanity is kind of fucked, you know, mm-hmm. and that, like, nature is more important. And that's actually a very evolved hu- viewpoint to have to say, because obviously nature is more important. Like, nature is the reason we're here. We depend on it, and it does not depend on us. But I believe that's a big message of Eli Roth. Uh, at least in this movie, I would have to watch his other movies to see if it holds. But cabin he, fever, <laughs> yeah, right. But she is kids don't piss all over the woods. <laughs> <laughs> at first, she is interested in activism because she hurt. She learns about female genital mutilation, FGM. Yes, easier. So she wants to she wants to put an end to that, but she's like really taken by it. So at first, her cause is for humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But towards the end, when the jaguar lets her go, mm-hmm. we we would assume, and this is this is there's parts of these movies that like feel a lot like a fairy tale to me. Yeah, you know, just like symbolisms and like her necklace, which is a flute. Like, what does that represent? I know you hate when we go there, but like, is it a phallic symbol? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it it is in a way. Her yeah, like the bone through his nose. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like this movie is in a way like her journey is like embracing her warrior spirit in a way because that's how she finally gets out Mm -hmm. um so then at the end she finally gets out and she she lies about the people right yeah i was like i was at the end of the movie i'm like what yes because she's in love with the rainforest she's in love with mother (laughs) nature she actually cares more about mother nature now than humanity because she's learned that all humans are scum basically (laughs) like all the, these people that she looked up to, scumbags, you know, mm. on, on both sides, the cannibals <laughs> and the like, you know, the megalomaniacs. That's oh, that's her. a good point. Yeah, because each of them are having their own societal sins. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But she she goes out in the end. And why I believe that the jaguar lets her go is the jaguar is the guardian of nature. And it knows that in letting her go, it will protect the, you know, the land that it lives in. Because she goes back there and then she lies about the people. Mm-hmm. Because if she says they're wonderful, beautiful people that took care of her, then nobody would demolish the place they live. They'd have sympathy. But if she was like, huh. they're filthy cannibals and they <laughs> ate everyone, if she elicits anger towards these people, then they'd be like, oh, let's tear down the whole rainforest because they live there, you know? And then, but there is another interesting theory. Because uh, first of all, 
we never know about a mother, about whether she has a mother. So we don't. In this movie, she does not have a mother. Her figure. mom, yeah, her mom is dead. Maybe uh, they don't really say or like allude to it. So she doesn't have a mother figure, and like it's obviously like a pretty big time in her life. She, like we said, like she's entering adulthood. She's, she's entering, a freshman in college. She's entering womanhood, and it's interesting. She goes, she joins another culture, this like tribe of cannibals. She joins their culture <laughs> and adopts a new mother the like elder mm -hmm. she like becomes in a sense she's her mother guiding her into womanhood mm. given their values and what they think womanhood is is different yeah, yeah yeah so like i thought that was interesting and like i think at some level okay two things one at some level i believe that she thinks she belongs to the tribe so i think mm -hmm. like because i don't know maybe i mean she obviously <laughs> cares for that boy i just think like that experience was significant to her uh, and there's the whole like emerging from hell thing of going through like a total hell and then emerging from it like a stronger, uh, more defined person. Wow. And I feel like she I... went through that because it was when she's pulling out of the helicopter, like we see in horror movies a lot, like the final girl gets out, but she's so traumatized. She's mm -hmm. hysterical, but not Justine. Justine is so she seems so peaceful and so like connected. Uh, it's such a strange ending. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, it was, it was just like great. It's just this allegory for like going through just this hellish thing and like coming out on the other side like a stronger person. So I thought that was cool. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting that this film is labeled as an exploitation film because of the movies that it is inspired by, but it actually is, I don't know, it has more going for it the, it yeah. has a better message mondo Kane and cannibal holocaust like especially mondo Kane is just so offensive to everyone and not very redeeming mm -hmm. and cannibal holocaust you know it has even if it's criticism on filmmakers for setting things up and making people seem more savage than they are sure. it still has animal torture right you know like and so these movies aren't comfortable things to watch mm -hmm. like, even in their messages yeah. where i am have a lot more fun with the, the green inferno oh yeah <laughs> i almost feel like this movie is more of like a very dark comedy oh yeah we haven't touched much on the dark humor the sound design in this movie yeah. is so ridiculous <laughs> oh my god yeah it's just like Eli Roth is just like playing with you but <laughs> but you were talking about exploitation that's interesting because this movie was it showed a lot of gore, but I don't know how to like really put this, especially to people who don't understand any like merits to showing gore on cinema. But I thought it was tasteful. <laughs> like there is a way it could have done it that wouldn't have been as elegant or as like if there was it, almost there was a it was a very gory movie, but it was kind of sophisticated. It was sophisticated. They gave a reason, you know. There was like, oh well, the, they're defending them. It. The the tribe is defending themselves, yeah. and they're hungry. And then <laughs> like in the scenes with Justine when she's in her underwear, like it didn't feel like uh you know we were trying to um you know rape her with a camera. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, no, for it was sure. Very like I mean the lens was very. Um, it didn't exploit anyone. And know? it had a point of actually the boy watching and him 
being impacted by her screaming and him mm. getting empathy for it. Yeah. So it wasn't just for us to watch a girl squirm. It was actually for character development. Mm-hmm. And because like, yeah, see, this is bad. Right. <laughs> this is scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now I want to go watch Hostel and Hostel 2 because I've yeah. never seen those. I love Cabin Fever Cabin so Fever much. Cabin Fever is amazing. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. I really, I wasn't before, um, but now I'm just a total Eli Roth convert. I mean, this, I was this movie nev- sold you so so well. I was never against him. Like I saw Hostel, um, but I saw Hostel before I started thinking critically while watching mm. horror movies. I, I'll bet if I watch Hostel again, I'll notice a lot more than I did the first time. Um, but he was just never on my radar, and he hasn't directed anything in like six years before the Green Inferno. So that could be why. The um, last thing was Hostel 2. Yeah, yeah. So now he's back in the consciousness. Oh, yeah. Knock Knock is just out, right? I really want to see that. We got to go see with that. With Keanu theaters. Reeves. Uh, fuck yeah, Keanu. Yeah. I love you. I love Keanu Reeves <laughs> so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Hey, yeah. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. See Green Inferno if you haven't. Watch it with the family. Watch yeah. it with the family <laughs> at Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, gosh. Just wheel the TV into the dining room and (laughs) make sure you've got surround sound. All right, folks. Well, stay scared, kiddos. And now, the thrilling conclusion of Cat Scratch Caesar. All right. Well, I think that went pretty well. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Great movie. Good conversation. Yeah, yeah. Except for Caesar busting in like a I, dick. I know. What was up with that? He really seemed nervous when we brought him up, too, on the podcast. Huh. Whoa. Did you hear that sound? What? I just... You don't hear that sound? It's like a bunch of little... I'm sure it's just Caesar knocking something over again. Like I told you, I got rid of all my kittens. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to check it out, all right? Oh, it's just a little. Oh. Oh, my. Oh, there's so many. Oh, no. Justin? Justin? Hey, hello, Mr. Blansky. What? What is this? Talking cats? Yes. Pin them down, cats. <laughs> no! No! <laughs> hello, Caesar. Remember me? It's your father. Yeah, that's right. You can't talk. That's what happens when you get castrated. You lose your voice. Dumbed down by your pampered middle class existence. Hey, boss. Uh, should we kill him or what? Yeah, no. I, I think I got a better idea. Why don't we take away the only thing he loves? His owner, Mr. Blansky. What? Why, what are you talking about? You can't you're to take me away. What, outside? We're going to kill you, you stupid idiot. First of all, I'm going to do to you... What you did to my son. Yeah, that's right, when you cut his balls off. No! Hand me the scissors. <laughs> snip, snip, Mr. Plansky. <laughs> yeah, all right, fellas. It's dinner time. And uh, hey you, Frenchie, for helping us out today. I'm gonna let you have first dibs on Mr. Blansky's testicles. Thank you, I will dine on these nuts, and we shall all have the fanciest feast of all.
Tuesdays with Gory has been a presentation of Moss Tapes. For more information, please visit www.mosstapes.com.